Listener Production. Shares. Market. The S&P. The ISX. Stocks. Motley Fool Money. Stock of the Week. G'day Fools, I'm Scott Phillips, the Motley Fools Chief Investment Officer here in Australia. You know that by now. And you do also know that this is our weekly feature episode called Motley Fool Stock of the Week, where we bring you one company from one of our recommendations in one of our services. We pull the curtain back and give you a sense, a look inside. And by the way, if you're not already a member, something for free. That's right, a free buy recommendation as of right now, straight from us straight to you. Now, before I do that, I'm going to give you my usual intro. You know this by now, but let's go through it. We're going to give you general advice only, not personal advice. We will say we think this stock is a buy. You need to decide whether it's right for you. That's number one. Second thing is we are long-term investors. We're not giving you one day, one week, one month, or even one year projections, forecasts, or guesses. We're looking out for the long-term three to five years, hopefully longer, and giving you a stock we think is worth buying for that long-term time period, which as investors, the long-term is the only term we think that counts. So you want a market-beating stock over the long-term. That's what we're looking for. And lastly, of course, just remember that we are doing this. We're recording this on the 19th of October, 2021. We're going to put it live on the 20th. And thereafter, if you're watching this a month or a year or a couple of years later, just remember our view may well have changed. Maybe things got better. Maybe things get worse. Maybe the price goes up. Maybe it goes down. Keep those things in mind. As I said, I I do this every week. I do it for a good reason because it's important. Uh, But please do remember that's the case. And that out of the way, with no further ado, let me introduce one of our gun analysts, Kate Lee. G'day, Kate. How are you? Hi, hi. Um, I'm very good. How are you, Scott? I'm very well, thank you, Kate. Thank you for joining us again. Always love having a conversation with you because you're such a smart, thoughtful person. You bring such such great quality analysis to the table. So thank you for joining us again. And we're going to talk about a company that I know a little bit about. I've said before, one of the funnest parts of doing this, honestly, for me, is I get to hear from you guys about some of the stocks you're covering, you're following in a lot more detail than I can. I figure after 10 plus years of this, I get a pretty good sense of most of the companies on the ASX. But I don't go as deep as I'd like on most of them. And so this is as fun for me, frankly, as I hope it is for our listeners and viewers. Our listeners, of course, on the Motley Fool Money podcast, our viewers on the Motley Fool Australia's YouTube channel. So Janice in Education, the code is J-A-N. Kate, I'm going to assume it's in education somewhere, but give our viewers and listeners the, the down low. What exactly is Janice in Education? What does it do? So Janison Education is a software company, and Janison is in the area of digitalizing assessment test for schools and professional certification bodies. So for example, if you happen to be a parent of school-aged children, um, you might be familiar with some tests such as NAPLA or ICOS. Mm -hmm. Um, They are conducted nationwide. And these assessments are provided online uh, rather than paper-based. And Janison provides that software. So Janison also provides um, some professional qualification tests, um, like you can think of um, charted um, accountants exams. So they do those, but they basically offer the platform um, catered for, you know, those assessment um, tests. And the company has largely two business units. So they have this assessment software business, um, as I explained. They also have online learning for enterprises. So you can, you know, do some online education um, Mm. platforms uh, for employees. But much of its, its growth is really coming from the uh, assessment um, part of the business. Uh, so that's the exciting bit. 
Nice. It's it's a I mean, it's an amazing industry to be part of right now. We know everything is going online. We know software is eating the world. The famous Mark Andreessen quote. Uh, and frankly, we know there's going to be plenty more testing and plenty more certification being done uh, right around the world. People want to know how I'm doing, how they're doing, how we're doing. Um, and education in particular. Certainly, I, my son did Naplan this year, so I'm very very familiar with the concept. I didn't actually know until right this second that Janison actually powered the software. So there you go. That's something I've learned today. But a really important one because if you can provide that, I mean, fundamental testing capability to a government or to an industry body, you're in a pretty good place. And I guess that's, I assume they think, a growing business. As you said, it is part of what's been growing for them. And I'm going to assume, because I know you a little bit, Kate, I'm going to assume that the growth story is part of why we like Janison as an investment and what makes it a buy. Maybe you can take us from the business itself through the investment case. We, obviously, we know what it now does, but why do we like it as an investment? See, the company has a long history of education, you know, this software development. And initially, it used to make a bespoke software for educational institutions globally. Okay. Then some years ago, um, the company made uh, two important changes in its strategy. One is it shifted towards platform business. So it's more profitable. And, and you know the story, right? It's coming from customized um, sort of um, product development into uh, a platform which they can scale much easy, much more easily. Um, gross margin of that, the, the former, the bespoke software development was like um, 30% to 50%, whereas right. the latter, the platform business bring in, you know, 75% to 90% wow. on the gross margins. Yes, yeah, so that's the big story there. <laughs> and phenomenal. also, okay. yeah, so... And I believe the management is very global-minded. And at least since its um, IPO back in 2017, the company had clear um, global growth initiatives. Mm -hmm. So in 2019, um, the company signed a very meaningful um, agreement with the OECD. Um, that's the five-year exclusive contract to develop one of their um, OECD um, tests, which is called mm -hmm. PISA test, that's provided um, for schools um, globally. So Jenison became their partner to um, um, develop this uh, online version of the test. So on one hand, um, this is a long-term growth story benefiting from that digitalization of all those assessments that you mentioned, like, you know, that used to be provided on a paper and then that's being um, digitalized. So that's a long-term story, but it's not just that. Um, uh, on the bottom up, um, from the bottom up approach, um, the company has a number of um, very exciting products and product projects that are ready to generate attractive revenue growth. So let's just get into a bit more details uh, into these individual projects. They've got like a couple, but I think the most exciting one is, as I mentioned, um, it's PISA for schools test that they work together with the OECD. So Jenison worked together um, with the OECD since 2019, and they spent a couple of initial years to develop, obviously, this platform. Then um, it has been really past um, 18 months or so that Jenison had been rolling out this um, test globally. So, so far, there are about 15 countries, one five on board, um, out of uh, the addressable market of approximately 90 countries, um, nine zero, um, as Jenison estimates. So the revenue contribution from this test um, will materialize. It's, it's very minimal. So, you know, you've got all these... Um, um, countries on the on the list but it hasn't been you know in terms of revenue impact it's just about to um kick in more meaningfully from next year uh, from actually this year so so that's the great story 
And then when it gets to the revenue model, there's um, two ways uh, Jenison is involved in this in this test. One, they could be just a mere um, software provider. And then in that case, they get um, average about $200,000 per year per country. So you can, you know, multiply like, you know, $0.2 million <laughs> times, you know, if it gets to 90, then you get, you know, $18 million of annual uh, nice. revenue, which is not, which is not small compared to um, um, their FY21 total revenue of 30 million. So it's not little. Um, so the rolling out of that uh, business model is one part of the story. But the story gets better from here. So in some countries, say here in Australia, also in the US, in the UK, Jenison is not just a software provider. It actually plays a more important role um, in this um, in-country rollout um, as a national service provider. And in this case, Jenison collects $7,000 per school. So imagine, you know, in these three countries, there are 30,000 secondary schools. So you, you can see that gross potential and the massive sort of uh, other supermarket that they can grow into. And let me just give you some numbers. Um, even if we assume only 10% penetration into those markets, you know, based on the, those three countries and based on, you know, 30,000 secondary schools, the revenue potential from this um, test will be 21 million. Um, and as I, as I said, you know, the full revenue they've done last year was 30 million. So if, if, if yeah, they can right. get there in the next, you know, four to five years, mm. that's the merit of this small cap investing, isn't it? Like, you know, they are such a little, like small um, companies with great potential. So if they can get certain things right, then it could have a really meaningful impact in terms of revenue um, and, and then along the profit lines as well. Um, so that's that's the excitement. Um, and obviously, you know, they are not going to stop here. Obviously, they can add, say, like Canada, Singapore, Hong Kong, you know, like all these English-speaking countries that may um, participate in this test. And then remember, it's just one of the their many projects. Of course, that's the most exciting one. But, you know, that's just one project that they are working on. And then secondly, um, they've got ICAS test. So this is interesting. So they acquired actually this business um, from UNSW Global in 2019. So it's a, it's not uh, organic growth, it's a growth from the acquisition. Um, I think the full name is uh, International Competitions and Assessments for Schools. And this test is offered to some school years, um, not all school years, um, to test um, student academics. Last year, the revenue from this test was only $5 million. It was because it was hit by the pandemic. And the demand for this test was impacted by the pandemic. And, you know, so it's a reopening, you know, recovery story from the pandemic to a certain extent. And um, before the acquisition, um, there are about 1 million students who have taken this test annually. And then they charge $15 per test. So that's like a $15 $15 million revenue potential right there, just um, from the recovery from the pandemic, right? And then, you know, they, they could increase these fees or, you know, obviously that audience would, would grow like, you know, moderately over the next four to five years. So the company aims to achieve around $20 million revenue from this test um, by 2024, FY24. So there are like, you know, th- these two tests are obviously the meaningful um, revenue contributors. Um, and as I mentioned, right, um, Going back to the margins, um, they are moving. All these new tests are based on the platforms. 
So they generate 75% or 90% margins on the gross margins. Mm. So there is a margin story as well, like in you know, a margin um, expansion from the product mix change. Um, and then actually the company came out with their long-term targets. Um, FY24, they're expecting total revenue of uh, $80 million to $100 million, which I think um, is fairly achievable. Although Fisher is unknown. <laughs> and then um, also, uh, you know, they have certain um, uh, cash flow targets as well. So, you know, compared to that, um, then current market cap, uh, which is just a few hundred million dollar market cap, I think there's a best uh, opportunity um, for investors. Um, yeah, I think that's that's the major main main points that, that I touched um, upon. It's a cool idea, Kane. It's cool. It's a cool model because if you think about some of the things going for it, as you say, it's small and that makes it a bit riskier. And we don't know how many of those things will come to pass. But you, you point out so many different growth ideas. The idea of starting small and then hopefully getting bigger, growing into large markets and the global education market got to be one of the biggest. But also, too, if you think about going from one thing, about, it's hard to go from Australia to the world almost by definition. We're small, we're a long way away, all that kind of stuff. But if you can make it successfully, then the size of the market outside Australia is just, oh, we know this, right, by definition, so much larger. So it's a hard leap to make. But if you can make that leap, you can add zeros to revenue. You can add zeros to profit and zeros, of course, to market cap. Um, now, again, we don't want to over-egg the pudding. We don't want to pretend these things are necessarily guaranteed or even super likely. But the path they're on, as you say, the fact they've already got these deals with OECD, it's a pretty attractive combination. Again, as I said, I, I kind of knew what it did. Uh, but I didn't have a, a really strong sense of that sort of revenue potential. Um, I also love the, I mean, the cloud story you talk about. When you do something bespoke yeah. for someone, you kind of work in a mm -hmm. cost plus world to some degree. When you say, yeah. hang, well, hang on, let's, let's take advantage of scale. Let's go to hundreds, then thousands, then tens of thousands, and eventually millions of people. With one piece of software you develop once, of course you keep developing it, but the scale advantages of that, and you've talked about the margins from 30-something to 75-plus percent um, just by simply tweaking the business model. When you get some of those things on you know, in your favor, if you, if you kind of add some of those things together, the mm -hmm. idea of software as a service of cloud, of big markets, of scale, all that kind of stuff, it really works. And it sounds like Janison is well and truly on that path. Matt, I will ask you about the risks in a second. Before I do, um, here's my regular ad. If you're listening to this on the Motley Fool Money podcast, thank you for doing so. We very much appreciate it. You can check out the Motley Fool's Good Oil podcast. It's called officially The Good Oil with Scott Phillips because I host it. Um, so that's what it's called. You can check that out where we have interviews with business leaders, experts, entrepreneurs. Um, or just a bit, of, a bit of a look under the bonnet of what's going on and how it's all being done. Some great conversations already, including my most recent one with Greg McKenna, who's CEO of Police Bank. You can check that out. If you're watching this on YouTube, of course, you can check out both those podcasts, and please do. But if you're on the podcast, also check out our YouTube channel. I mentioned it already, The Motley Fool Australia. Just jump on YouTube and type The Motley Fool Australia into the search box or just Google The Motley Fool Australia YouTube. You'll find our channel. We have this video every single week, a new episode of Soccer of the Week. We have Stocks in Focus. We have our favorite investing books. We've got views on the market. There's a, an IPO video coming up. Stay tuned for that one. Um, we do a whole lot of media appearances. Everything we do on video is on that Motley Fool channel. So you want to check that out as well. And you can follow us on social media. If you're not already, jump on Facebook. Everyone's there. The Motley Fool Australia is our corporate page. My professional page is Scott Phillips Money, so that's just facebook.com slash Scott Phillips Money. Jump on Twitter, The Motley Fool AU or TMF Scott B, and those same two handles will help you on Instagram. Again, The Motley Fool AU and TMF Scott P. Motley Fool Money. For more, subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. 
Talk to me for a second about the risks. We always make sure we do a recommendation for our members. We say, look, here's what the company does. We've done that. Here's why we like it as an investment. You've done that beautifully. We don't pretend, though, that everything's going to be roses or everything will even work out. And there are some things that might crimp the investment case or maybe break it altogether. And we normally put that in a section called something like risks and when we'd sell or something similar, just to help our members understand the downside risk and also the things to look out for, the red flags, the yellow flags that may pop up and how to think about some of those. So maybe you can do that for Janison for us. What are some of the risks facing an investment in Janison education today, mate? I think near-term risks, I would say it's the pandemic and how that's going to kind of um, get in the way when they um, try to roll out more and more aggressively. Because the thing is now the U.S. has signed up already on the paper and then it's just a matter of time that they, you know, get into the U.S. and then meet with these individual schools and persuade them to take this test and pay $7,000, right? But the thing is, um, last year, actually about two years already, isn't it? Like the US, um, has suffered a, a great, great bit. Um, also the UK, the same, same thing also with that Delta variant. And it's just the schools, their focus is not on, you know, um, taking another new test, um, for example. We think that that's going to come back, obviously, over time. And, you know, students will, um, start to come and attend, um, their physical schools. And that would be a good time, you know, they can probably, I think, Rationally, I think there's a uh, plenty of reasons why these um, schools uh, would take this test because, uh, you know, there has been similar tests in the past. Like, you know, the aim of that OECD test is really to um, compare across even different, you know, countries that how these students are doing, right? So there's a, you know, this is a good um, test, well-known organization and all that, but, you know, <laughs> you know, no one can be sure about this pandemic and, you know, it, it, I think I'm on the positive side that worst is behind of us, mm-hmm. but you know, um, that's one thing. So if that's that good. gets, yeah, gets in the way and if their revenue, um, booking, um, gets delayed, um, because of that, which I think it's a short term, but you know, um, that's the risk. And also it's not just the pandemic day, like, you know, it's a new country, as you mentioned, um, um, in the way they start building their sales team or working with the local partner, you know, that would certainly be a, a risk at this point. Um, th- the second risk is the competition, I'd say. Um, this is a smaller uh, sort of company. They're doing very well, um, punching above its weight. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, you, you got to keep winning these new projects. Um, and by the way, I checked with the company after five years um, of the initial contract terms with the OECD. Um, the company is positive that unless, you know, there's really bad incidents, uh, it is very likely to continue. But obviously, this contract-based business is, um, so there's always a risk, you know, there's, I don't know, like in the future, better, um, you know, assessment platform um, developer um, in the future might actually eat away these um, um, projects. Uh, so that's always the, the risk with these software companies. Mm. Yeah, like competition's always there. Someone's always inventing or trying to invent a new bit of software to take over from yours. It must be this kind of ongoing arms race. I imagine if you're working for a company like that, you're, you're hopeful of what you're going to keep and you're always looking over your shoulder to make sure no one's undercutting you in price or improving on on, on features or something else. I guess that's the life of a software developer, right? And that's not just mm-hmm. Janison, it's Microsoft and it's Google and it's Apple and it's everybody. Um, that's kind of this constant arms race, which, by the way, we benefit from as consumers and the OECD and other countries I'm sure will benefit from too because the great thing about the cloud is Janison software will be better in a year's time than it is today. They may even notice mm-hmm. the change, but of course they're continuing to work on it. So 
you're always better to be in front than behind when it comes to developing new software, but that's always a risk, as you as you rightly point out. Okay, you've done a fantastic yeah. job of summarizing the Janison investment case and some of the risks for our listeners and viewers. Wrap it up for me. Give me the 60-second elevator pitch. If I was to say to you, right, jump in, jump in an elevator and make a 60-second pitch to someone on the way from the first to the 38th floor, why should our listeners and viewers consider buying shares in Janison Education? I think it's a buy from the top-down approach. Janison stands to benefit from the digitalization of paper-based tests in the global market, which I think is attractive. And it's not just that, on the bottom-up approach, um, Janison has a number of great projects in the pipeline right now um, that are ready to be monetized, um, including the PISA for schools test, ICAS test, and also they are working on this um, NSW tracking test, and then they have acquired this small one, which is doing pretty much the similar thing. In addition to such revenue um, growth potential, the company has shifted its business model to a platform business um, platform-based business, meaning these new projects will bring in much higher margins to the company over the next few years. So we're talking about revenue growth, we're talking about margin expansion, cash generation, and all that. If you are a parent and paying for these assessment tests for your kids, I would um, highly recommend you um, buy the shares of Janison as you pay for this this test. <laughs> there you go. That is a, that's a fantastic buy case. Okay, like, Phil's. I told you she was smart. I told you she'd give you a good analysis, and she has. Plus, by the way, make a little bit of your uh, your test dollars back by buying shares in the company that's actually administering those <laughs> tests. I think that's a great. That's a great way to do it. Talk about buy what you know. Uh, buy shares in the company that's testing your kids. I reckon that's a great way to go. Kate, thank you very much for joining us for this week's Stock of the Week. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. I had a great time. Good. And thank you, Fools, for watching and listening to our latest Stock of the Week episode where Kate Lee bought us Janison Education. The code once more is J-A-N. Thanks again for being with us. And until next time, from Kate, myself, and the whole Motley Fool team, Fool on. The Motley Fool and people appearing in this program may have positions in the companies mentioned. General advice only. Please speak to your financial professional to understand how it may pertain to your situation. Subscribe to the free newsletter at fool.com.au forward slash listener. The Motley Fool operates under financial services licence 400691. Listener.